Hello, it's Robert Bathurst here. I was one of the first guests on My Time Capsule, and Mike has asked me to tell you that you can now listen to the podcast ad-free by subscribing to Acast Plus. Details of how to join are in the description of each episode. Mike says it's very reasonably priced. In fact, Mike says it's a bargain. And who am I to disagree? Locked here in his cellar. Anyway, for a small subscription, Acast Plus, My Time Capsule, ad-free. Free. Unlike me. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, and welcome to My Time Capsule. I'm Mike Fenton-Stevens, and My Time Capsule is the podcast that is quickly becoming known as the one where guests tell me the five things from their life that they'd like to have in a time capsule. Probably because it is. They reveal four things they'd like to keep from any time in their life. These things may look insignificant to others, but to them, they are the things they most treasure. They also pick one thing from their life that they would like to forget, and we banish it to a hole in the ground so they never have to think of it again. I'm delighted to say that my guest in this episode is someone I've known for many years but rarely get the chance to see. The actor Cliff Parisi, who is probably best known for playing Minty Peterson in EastEnders, and the delightful Fred Buckle, whoever thought of that name deserves a raise, in the BBC period and multi-award winning drama Call the Midwife which I think will only come to an end when they decide what to call her, obviously. Cliff was also in the 19th series of I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Cliff began his career as a stand-up comedian in 1982. Yes, the mathematicians amongst you will have already worked out that that is over 40 years ago. I remember very little about it, of course, I was just a boy. But in 1989, he was cast in the film Queen of Hearts, and this sort of opened the floodgates. Before getting cast in EastEnders and therefore having a job that lasted eight years, he appeared in a huge number of TV shows. Here's just an example. A bit of Fry and Laurie, KYTV, which is where I first worked with him, Chancer, The Pleasure Principle, Boone, The Darling Buds of May, The Upper Hand, London's Burning, Drop the Dead Donkey, Kavanaugh QC, Pie in the Sky, A Prince Among Men, The Saint, Paul Merton in Gorton and Simpsons, Kiss Me Kate, Casualty, Bedtime, Waking the Dead, The Bill, Hustle, Hollyoaks, Outnumbered Plebs, and all those small things. And, as I say, that's just a sample. You'll notice how Cliff jumps from comedy to drama all the way through his acting career. And as Kipling says, if you can treat those two imposters just the same, then you'll be constantly in work. Good old Kipling. Not a great poet, but as Ted Robbins said, 
he does make exceedingly good cakes. Still, as you can imagine, Cliff Parisi is not an easy man to get alone for an hour, which is why this episode is only 35 minutes long and was recorded in the auditorium of the theatre where he was due to, that day, give two performances of a pantomime, so bless him for doing this at all. He also had his sweet son Patrick with him, who, as you'll hear, was a ball of energy and very patient with us both. So this is not a mammoth episode, but as with Christmas presents, sometimes the best things come in small packages. Here is Cliff Parisi and just about the five things he'd like to put in his time capsule. We talk about um, five things from your life. <laughs> from any time in your life that you would like to have in a time capsule. Oh, right, OK. That you could look at again. Oh, right, well. So you can go as far back as you like. You can yeah. go back to when you were a kid. Yeah. What would you choose, Patrick? What would you choose? And keep it forever. Keep it forever. You're never going to lose it. And then it. when you're older, you can get it out and open it and go, what's that? Oh, look. I remember that toy Hot Wheels car. That was my first ever fastest car. Ah. Uh, Something like that. What would you have? Don't know. No? What's your favourite toy? iPad, I think, at the moment. Yeah, everybody at that okay, age. OK, listen, if you want to run around, you can walk around quietly. Don't bang the chairs, OK, lads? <laughs> yeah, Thanks, Patrick. Right, Mike, well, OK, shall we get started then? Yeah, you can plump for anything. Just go for whatever you fancy. And then we'll, you know, and it, it's, so. <laughs> it's all right. We don't have to do running. We you can do walking, first, please. And it's got to be quiet. You did say you could run. I did say you could run around, but quietly. But I wouldn't worry quietly, about it. Quietly. Nice, Patrick. Is it going to affect your recording? It doesn't really matter. I can always explain the situation. Yeah, see? yeah, yeah. And then it becomes... <laughs> you say, part of the story. You sort of go, well, this is where we were. Right. which is, And it's rather lovely, I think, that, yeah. you know... Here we are, and you're with your son. OK, so, things that I'd put in a time capsule, I think probably my equity card. Yeah? Well, because that was the thing I think I ever worked hardest for in my life. Yeah. Was my equity card. When I started acting, I had very few options. Coming out of school at 13, I'm pretty much illiterate. Did you? Yeah. So I went to work quite young because I... Well, basically, I went to work when I was quite young because I had to. Yeah. It was a bit of a Dickensian <laughs> childhood. <laughs> but it was like that in the 60s a bit, you know? It could be like that. Lots of kids went to work early, um, especially if you weren't doing particularly well at school like me. Mm. And I went to work. Um, so I, the, the options of getting into acting were very limited, especially as they required eight GCSEs or GCEs or whatever it was yeah, in those yeah. days, or CSEs to uh, even um, even be considered. So, so I had no... What, what drew you to it, though? Funny enough, I did a film when I was 13. Sorry about this. This is my child running around. I brought my eight-year-old with me. <laughs> They've got to run We're around at the theatre, at the panto, and, uh, <laughs> and he's come to see it today. But ah, brilliant. The auditorium's empty, so he's having a little run around. He's got a lot of energy, the lad. Mm-hmm. So anyway, right, so I'm... I, 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 when I was about 13, 12, 13, I got picked out of some kids in Islington to be leading a film. And I had an ability to find the truth, I think, in scenes. Yeah. And that was an, it was an, 
I was always always questioned everything. So when I saw an actor on on screen saying a line and I didn't believe him, I would go up to my mirror and I would say the line. Yeah. Until I believed myself. So I realised that I could do it very young, mm. and I and, that, and I wasn't. I could play instruments and I could I could act, but I wasn't any good at anything else. I never had a fair pair of football boots, so I never played football. No. So I, the options were limited, and I loved acting. So, uh, so my equity card, yeah, which I got fire doing stand up um, because the lim- you, you know because you either had to be a stripper, fire eater, dancer, as you remember in those yeah, days, yeah. you had to do anything, anything. for variety. Yeah. Uh, and I did stand up with the wonderful Andy Linden, um, and uh, and. That was a massive achievement to get that because that meant you were... Because it was a closed shop, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It felt impossible, didn't it? It was impossible to get in. Yeah. Unless um, you went through one of those systems like the eight GCSEs, you went to drama school, you went to RADA. Yeah. For, I, for everybody else, it felt like, well, this is just a bunch well, of... you still people. needed your equity card even if you did that. Yeah, that's true. So you do all that and you come out and you've got to go and get your card. Mm. But then you've got to find someone to give you a job, which is not so bad, I suppose, once you've been to drama school because then you've got a few contacts. Yeah. Whereas when you've got no contacts whatsoever, to get an equity card was no. quite an achievement. So, so you wouldn't have known anybody in the business? No one. No. no. But we, funnily enough, picked up by Oxford University. That's your mob, isn't it? It was, yeah. <laughs> I remember it. I remember them picking you up. Did you remember yeah. that? All those things, just, uh, yeah. you know, silly things like KYTV and all those yes. stuff. You were in all that stuff, well, we, 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 Yeah, we were picked up by Oxford University. It was the Oxford Alternative Dramatic Society, which right. was like the Cambridge Footlights, one of those groups that yeah, come yeah. out of Oxford, go to Edinburgh. And they picked us up and we were in their play, Dirty Dishes, which went, then went on to become a TV show. Mm. Um, and then all these boys from Oxbridge went to, into television and became producers. Yeah. And then we worked a lot for the Oxbridge mob. Yeah. So I was like an honorary Oxbridge graduate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brilliant. an illiterate one. So, uh, but yeah, but it was so, so that was Ox, Oxford was my break, really, I suppose. Oxbridge. Well, the thing is about that crowd is that everybody thinks they would have been exclusive, but in fact, as soon as they saw somebody who could do it, they would bring them in. Yeah. Yeah, and they were great to us. Yeah. I mean, they're really good to us. And, and you remember KYTV and yeah. Jeff Perkins and all yeah. those wonderful people and all that work that we did earlier on. And that went on, you know, we did, you know, we were all, all that stand-up mob. We all got into TV via stand-up was we were like the whole new wave of comedy. Um, Andy and I worked together. It was really funny because Andy and I, as a double act, we worked together um, and got our equity cards together, and we were quite successful as a Port Stanley Amateur Dramatic Society. <laughs> and then we uh, we went on to appear in loads of TV together as well, yeah. so they would always cast us together. But so. I remember those things of you, like um, John Morton. I mean, yeah. now John, yeah. when you think of the people that John cast at the early part of his career, every one of them has, has had a, a great longevity to their career, and they've yeah. all gone on to do loads of wonderful things. Yeah. So, Good eye. But he had a fantastic eye. Good eye. But you need that help. You see, you know, you need help. Nobody does it on their own. No one does it on their own. And that's what you forget, is that that little bit of help, it might be that one little break that gets you your next little break. And you, so you always think of these people, you know, when you're in a position of power, maybe give that kid a chance, because it might 
change his life. And it did for me, for sure. Yeah. So I've yeah. got a lot to be grateful for to Oxford University. <laughs> <laughs> But I have got a parking ticket from there also. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of the old goons line where the bloke says to him, hey, don't talk to me like that, I went to Eton. He said, I didn't know you went to Eaton. He said, yeah. He said, how long were you there? He said, about five minutes, I was delivering the groceries. <laughs> Oh, you're a green grocery, so more of a dirty yellow colour. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's put that in. That's number so, one. So uh, that's number one. What else yeah. would I put in? I think there's, there, was a, there was a pickup truck. My, my sister was great at finding Christmas presents. You know, it's now Christmas. I have to be keep the voice down because <laughs> my little Lindsay still believes in Santa. Okay, yeah. My, my sister found um, some Christmas presents and um, there was this amazing... Uh, haulage truck which was like the larger scale ones and I loved it it had so much detail on it two mechanics um, I'm going to see if I can remember the name of it it was called a something Wrecker mm. Ford Wrecker Oh, man, I, I, I look at them on eBay sometimes to see if I can find one in mint condition because I really want one to put on my mantelpiece. Um, that would go in because that gave me such joy. How old were you when you got that? Oh, I was about Patrick's age, about eight. Eight, yeah. yeah. And that was a metal, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's that magical thing that in wardrobes, you never knew what you'd, you know, it's that Lion Witch of the Wardrobe thing yeah. underneath some cashmere scarves and at the back behind some sparkly 60s gear. There was this wonderful surprise. You know? <laughs> I hadn't been wrapped and I got it. Um, and I, had to, yeah, I couldn't open it, you know, it was one of those. Oh, right, things. you discovered it. So I discovered it. You know, <laughs> I could, I'd go every now and again, I'd go in there and look at it. So that was your acting skills, tested on Christmas morning, <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Wow! <laughs> I've always wanted one of these. <laughs> Lovely, those toys. You look back on those things, you know, those Christmases and getting those toys, you never really get that thrill again. People could buy you a new car. It would no. be, never be as thrilling as getting that toy that you wanted. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, like you say, you grow out of that, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Although this year I want some nice socks. I'm always happy with socks. Me too. I'm, ha I'm a happy man. If you get me some nice socks, I don't want rubbish. No. no. Don't give me rubbish because that will just upset me, really irritate me. <laughs> give me nice socks. I ain't going to shrink. There's nothing worse than tight socks. No, you're right, yeah. Yeah. And I've got quite big Shrek-type feet, so they need to be able to survive a couple of washes at least. Yeah. Well, we're doing this at Christmas, aren't we? And around this time of year, people tend to buy me socks, but then they buy me Christmas socks. And you go, well, I can only wear those at... Oh, sorry, I'm going to wear them right in the middle of summer. Yeah. People say, what are you wearing? That's say, what Barry Cryer was saying. We were talking about you, actually, the other day on the radio, Barry Cryer was. Yeah. But anyway, he said something like, they would never put... Some comedians would never put a Christmas tree in, their, in the back of shot. No Christmas decorations for their Christmas shows because it meant they'd never get a repeat. Ah, of course. Yeah. So, you know, they'd never get the royalties because they, <laughs> they wouldn't show the clip again. They'd only show the clips at Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, my first bike, I think. My first bike. What a world that opened up to me. Mm. Um, Where did you live then as a boy? I lived on the top of a hill called Hornsey Rise, which when I was a kid, it was called Hungry Hill. And then there was next to another hill called Mount Killerman for his gyro. 
whoever made that up, I hope they went on to be a television writer. Uh, yeah. Killer man for his gyro. Killer man for his gyro. There was, sadly, there was truth in that. And that's what actually happened. That's where the... Um, the, 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 the yeah, yeah. It was God. a rough area. Mm. Um, now they call it Crouch End Heights. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, so Crouch End, Hornsby Rise, top of his Linton, just as the cusp of uh, Haringey, mm. which was a wonderful place to grow up. But, of course, in those days, we all lived in post-war derelict conditions. Yeah. A lot of us were living in houses that were falling apart. And no one had heard of bloody central heating or 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 fitted carpets. No one had fitted bloody carpets. <laughs> Double glazing. Bit of lino if you're lucky. Yeah, mate. lino. Yeah. A couple of bar fire. Mm-hmm. In the yeah, bathroom like, quite often. Oh, my God, yeah. And a big geezer. Do you remember them geezers? Yeah. God, you have to light that with a big old match or a piece of paper and light. Like, and then, I mean, if you didn't have the drafty window, she would have died. I mean, from... You know, toxic <laughs> yeah, exposure. <of> <laughs> I mean, all those big Victorian houses, which are now worth a fortune because they've all been done up. Absolutely, but they were falling apart, weren't they? And they yeah, had lots well, of the owners were dead. You know, yeah. fought in the war. They died, or they'd they'd, they'd gone barmy or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so there are lots of them. It was a wonderful rebirth of London, though, because what happened was you had these middle-class families in these big houses that had grand pianos and piccolos and and cellos, and they mm. would play on a Sunday and a Saturday together. But next door, you'd have the rock band, you know, <laughs> in the squat. Yeah. And they squats everywhere and hippies everywhere. And um, I just remember the heartbreaking images of stained-glass windows on skips and things like uh, that, you know, where the council had ripped out the yeah. part of some of these buildings. and mm-hmm. just, Fireplaces, beautiful oh, marble beautiful fireplaces. Mar- yeah. But that's where I grew up. I grew up in this huge house that we could never afford now or then. Um, but we were very lucky to have it. It was freezing cold, freezing, bitterly freezing cold. But you wore a jumper and you got home and everybody had the same. Everyone was cold. You weren't mm. the only one. Even the middle class people across the road were freezing. We were all freezing. Yeah. <laughs> big houses, you couldn't heat them. I know. I love the idea, though, that in the middle of Hornsey, nowadays, if you said a child said, I want a bike for Christmas, you say, well, that will involve trips to the countryside so you can ride it. You can't possibly ride it around Hornsey. Yeah, yeah. Whereas as a kid, you got that oh, thing and yeah. you say, opened up a world for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, it didn't even have any gears on it. You know, and this little bike, 24-inch, I think it was, frame or something like that, 22-inch frame, bang, off I'd go with my mates. And they'd have big bikes and racers and little bikes and there'd be a little toddler behind us and there'd be about 12 of us. And we'd cycle from there to Potter's Bar and back. Wow. And it'd be a whole day out. Someone would have to nick a packet of biscuits because we'd actually, wouldn't have the energy to get back with that <laughs> custard cream. <laughs> <laughs> we'd burn ourselves out. Brilliant. And, um... So, yeah, it was brilliant. Loved my bike. Right, I'm sorry to interrupt this episode so soon, but contractually, we have to have a break in the middle of the episode so that some adverts can be put there. But I won't knock it. That's how we pay for this pod. Anyone who's been with this podcast since the beginning, the medal's in the post, will remember a time when I asked listeners to tell me via social media if there were any adverts and how excited we all got when there was more than one. Fortunately, although almost certainly I will now be hoisted by my own hubris, those days are gone. We'll see you after the ads. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Welcome back. That was either a lovely selection of adverts or I've come straight back after a slight pause and you are now able to laugh at my arrogance. Still, enough of me, let's get back to Cliff Parisi and his son Patrick, of course, in the auditorium of the Assembly Hall's Tunbridge Wells and find out more things we didn't know about him through the things he puts in his time capsule. What did you do as a job then when you first left school? First job, I think, was washing up in a fish and chip shop. Um, then I was lucky enough to get a job on Bullen's Removals, which I think Pickford's bought out in the end. They were a big removal company that did industrial and office, like um, commercial and um, banks and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And we moved huge, like universities. So when I worked, I worked. We run up and down the stairs with filing cabinets, um, loaded filing cabinets. And if you couldn't make the bend on the stairs, they'd smash you into the wall. I mean, <laughs> you, you just... Because you were earning the same money as quite a lot of the grown men. It was only £5.50 a day, but they were feeding the family on it. Amazing. So they, they hated you for it, you know. Yeah, yeah. You, you should have been go, to school. You're taking it home. So you had to be, you had to be tough. And you had to be able to do it. And you'd load 22 lorries a day. Wow. And you'd carry everything down at least two flights of stairs. You must have been ripped. Oh, oh man, I was so fit. But I was thin, you'd never know, but I was strong as an ox. But, you know, I did have a couple of injuries that niggle me and still now in my back. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, it was great. It gave me independence, got me some nice new shoes, jacket, girlfriend. I had enough money for a pint of beer. <laughs> so I was, I was an happy, happy young man. As happy as you'll ever be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all needed. <laughs> Uh, brilliant. Well, we put the bike in, definitely, and uh, and your car toy. Yeah. Lovely. Lovely things. Uh, it's um, it's funny looking back on those times, because it is an alien world, isn't it? Yeah. It is. And then I look at my little fella here, and I go, actually, kids are kids. There's still the magic still there. Mm-hmm. It's just different for them. It's a different magic. But, yeah, it's... It, it, it's an alien world. I mean, you know, we are now talking about, uh, worried about electricity prices and things like that. Mm. You know, people only had five light bulbs in their whole house. 
you know, then those days. One in each room. Yeah, that's right. There's one in the hallway, maybe. Uh, yeah, that's you know. it. And you were told to turn them off when you left the room. Yeah. So it's quite simple. Now we've got so much gear. We've got so much stuff. We're mm. kind of bogged down with it. And that's possibly the problem is there's too much stuff. And and that's why I used to love my camper van, because you jump in a camper van, you can't take a lot with you. You've got your basics, you've got your sleeping bag, and you've got your kettle, and you've got a little burner and some food. Have you still got then, one? No, I, I I had to get rid of the last one because no one would go to Bedford CA, oh, a beautiful ah. van, a CA Bedford, Dormerville Bill, but it used to frighten the life out of me driving it because it would only do 50 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. And lorries... Like, you know, that's first gear for a lorry. So <laughs> yes. I've got lorries fishtailing behind me in the rain, you know. Oh. Uh, so, so and it, and I, it took I need 150 get... yards to stop. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I need to get another one. I need to get a, a, something a little bit more modern, something that will keep up with traffic. But yeah. When um, did you first get that then? I got my Bedford about five years ago. And then I had, I had a transit as well. But the, sadly, the transit, the chassis rotted out. Mm. I had a transit, so I sold them both this year. So I had two camper vans for about five years. And one was quick and a bit more modern, but the, the old one was a dodgy old thing, but you could drive around with the doors open <laughs> and you could shout at people, which was really great fun. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. <laughs> um, you yeah. can never tell who's going to be a transit van or, you know, a camper van driver. You never can tell. No, I and love it goes a van. Right back. Well, uh, there's an absolute sort of romantic thrill to them, isn't there? Getting in that thing and thinking, do you know what? I could go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, you can I know I'm just going around my mates, but I could if I want to. I could go Greece, Scotland, Greece. Scotland. Yeah. anywhere. Yeah, anywhere. Jump in it, you've got a mattress. As long as you've got a mattress and a, and a burner of some description, a little burner, you, you can warm something up and you can sleep. Yeah. That's all you need. <laughs> I know. And it's fabulous. I love that. I love that feeling. Um... But sadly, my wife, when we go camping, I have to put my wife in a four-star hotel when we go in the field across the road. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling that's exactly the sort of holiday I'd be having. Yeah. Which is why I've never had one, sadly. I would yeah. like to have a camper van. So camper van would go in. Yeah, definitely. A small version of a camper van. Definitely. Oh. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, dogs. I mean, I love dogs. So every a little picture of all the dogs that I've had in my life, that would have to go in. <laughs> How many have you had? Not that many, actually, but we've got one now. What's his name, Patrick? What's his proper name? Chief Inspector Pedro Sanchez from the Guitar Drug Squad. <laughs> Chief Inspector Pedro Sanchez from the Bogota Drug Squad. <laughs> He's a curious little dog, isn't he? Yeah, so, yeah. Where is he? What breed? We don't know. He's no a, idea. He's, he's a, it's supposed to be a Cavapuchon. We have a language in our, our, our house that's called Cavapuchon, don't we? <laughs> so we all speak Cavapuchon some days, don't we? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the right. dog understands it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They do. Yeah. So, yeah, a picture of every dog that I've had. Lovely. Um, Lovely. I do ask people if they can think of something that they put in there that they want to put in there so they can forget it. So oh my God! Bury it oh and just never have to worry about it again. Well, I think we've all got a few of those, haven't we? Strange enough, I always think that ones that really linger are the ones that happen when you're very young. You, know, yeah. you never quite forgive those injustices. Well, I think we all experience. I think the loneliness of being sometimes being when you know when my parents split up and. 
you find yourself. I was kind of sofa surfing quite a bit and I was very young and found myself feeling quite vulnerable and, and lonely and bullied. Mm. And I was also wearing, had to wear my sister's clothes to school because I, they always look after the girls, don't they? I was make sure the girls look all right, and I just I went to pop basically. And I think that that 1974 would probably be the year that I would bury. Mm. Yeah. And is that is in a way that why you didn't succeed at school? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That, what, that because I mean, let's face it. Oh, well, I was you're, dyslexic. You're a bright man. Oh, I, yeah. I was dyslexic. Right. Which we've since discovered, but th- that didn't exist when I was a kid. No. I mean, you were just thick. You would just think. Yeah. So Look, you there it is. Down, Can't you get it? Look, it's drop, obvious. Yes, you drop down the stream, drop down the stream, mm-hmm. drop down the stream. And when I went to secondary schools, I was the only kid that could speak English. <laughs> <laughs> in my class. <laughs> um, apart from Stevie, who used to sit under the table and thought he was a dog, he was the only <laughs> other kid that could speak English. So when my headmaster came to the prize-giving day at the end of the year, he was absolutely gobsmacked when I'd come top of the school in terms of I'd come top of the class in every single subject wow. across the board. Well, of course, now I can speak English. You need to write no, name yeah. in a day at the top of the you page. Win. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, bless him. Anyway, yeah. So I wasn't particularly... But that year, I think 1974 mm. was probably a year. But then I suppose resilience is part of what you get from these torturous bits of your life that you, you know, you still find upsetting. And and that, in a way, has driven me, you know, to be, I suppose, successful in what I do. Mm. Although I don't consider... I just like doing what I do. And yeah. unlike all of us, we're just grateful that someone lets us do it and gives us a couple of bob for it. Yeah. But know. there are people who moan, aren't there? There are people who, for example, you're right in the middle of doing a pantomime and some people find that almost impossible because they go, oh, no, not another one. I'm exhausted. Oh, my <laughs> Lord. Oh, do I have to get changed again? And they just moan the whole time. But I think if you've got that background of, yeah, but this is nothing. Yeah. This is easy. Oh, no, I've done some work. I mean, real work. Real proper work. I mean, this is this is a piece just, of piss. <laughs> messing this about. is fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, if you come from a background where you work physically, physical labour, you know, to eat. Yeah. Then that, that and you've cool. done a lot of those programmes that people don't realise how much work is involved in doing them. You know, EastEnders and Call the Midwife, they, they are long filming days, a lot of learning. Mm. They're hard work. Those. Well, they're hard, they're hard, they're cerebral and they're also challenging because you have to find, you have to find... You have to find your own reasons for quite a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, and justify it. I always try and find the root truth and reason behind what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, sometimes you're just saying it for the sake of the story, but yeah. you need to still find You need something. to know why. Yeah. You need to find your, your truth so that you can make it work. Absolutely. This I find hard because this is completely different style to what... You, this is all about driving a narrative, which is a fairy story, but most of what you say is a set-up for a gag. That's right, yeah. <laughs> so there's no truth in any of it. <laughs> no. But you've got you to gotta find, and it's quite stylized. so the energy and, and slipping in and out of rhyme 
mm. I find really difficult. Oh, wow, yeah. Because it's completely the opposite to how I've always, always worked my career and mm. my, my job. It's always find the truth and then head for that. You're safe. Whereas this, there's no truth. It's just a story. It's it's a panto. And it's a it's it's musical theatre. Uh, it's it. vaudeville. Mm -hmm. It's slapstick. And all of these things. And these kids are brilliant at it. I mean, I'm just I'm in awe of them always. I'm always, always in awe. That fabulous uh, energy as well. That energy, and they're so professional, and they do it so easily, and I find it hard. I, I struggle with it, but there's, you know, I watch them, and I'm always, always gobsmacked and impressed. It's a brilliant thing, isn't it, to learn from young people? Yeah, yeah. It's a lovely thing in life, I yeah. think. I don't. I just hope that I don't come in to call the midwife, walk into walk into the Nazis' house and slap my knee, <laughs> or go turn my collar up and go. <laughs> I hate nuns. <laughs> well, the, the compliment I can pay you, Cliff, is that I do remember a long time ago saying to John Morton, doing an episode of Kiss Me Kate, right, with yeah. lovely Caroline Quinton, and yeah. uh, he turned to me and he said, "It's good, isn't it, Cliff?" And I said. Yeah, he just says it. And he says, yeah, that's what's good about him. Which is nice, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not trained. So I've never, I've never, no one's taught me how to act. I've had to learn myself. So I have my own way of doing things. I don't know the right way. I've never been told what the right <laughs> way is. Well. So I've got away with my way. And I suppose uh, um, I'm lucky that I have. Well, it means that it is you, that's the thing. Right. It's you doing it. And uh, therefore, the reality of it, the truth of it comes through. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe, that, maybe that's it. Yeah. <laughs> maybe well, I would, you know, I would suggest to young actors, watch what you do, because it is, it looks surprisingly simple, and yet yeah. it's not. No. Um, yes, I mean, my only advice to young actors is, first thing you must learn to do is not to act. Mm-hmm. And then start learning how to act. <laughs> That's brilliant. Because you do need to learn how to act. But the first trick is not to. Don't let them see you acting. No. And when you go for your Oscar, then you can do all the acting you want. <laughs> brilliant. Cliff, that's absolutely fantastic. Patrick, have you run yourself <laughs> out now? You exhausted? Or you've got another couple of miles in you? Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> Patrick's got loads of miles in him. It's like a... You're so bunny, ain't you, boy? Yeah. What are you going to do? Oh, he's gone. He's, gone. he's off. <laughs> Cliff, thank you, mate. Cheers, Mike. Absolutely thank lovely. You, lovely to see you. Have a good two shows today. Yeah. <laughs> you have been listening to My Time Capsule with me, Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my lovely guest, Cliff Parisi, just about to do two pantomime performances. God bless him. Thank you for listening to this episode. Short but sweet, I thought, and recorded on my iPhone, placed on the arm of the chair between us. I sometimes wonder why I go to such lengths to try and make the sound good when this way works so well. Make a note, you potential podcasters out there. Anyway, as a listener, you have the chance to influence others by rating this show, and I'm delighted to say that almost without exception, those who've already done that have rated us five stars. Bless you. I'd be delighted if you'd keep that up. A few people even take the time to write a review of the podcast, which is such a generous thing to do, and we do read them all, I promise, and thank every single person deeply. If you subscribe to this podcast, you will be sent each new episode 
straight to your podcast app so you can listen to it anywhere whenever you choose to or share it with friends. And if you're having the best of times and just want more, then you can follow me and my time capsule individually on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook, where you can see what's going on in our lives and with the pod, of course, and also see just how puerile my sense of humour can be. There's also quite a lot of pictures of my grandchildren, so it's not all just me looking ripped by a pool in Tobago, I promise. The theme tune to my time capsule was written and performed by Pass the Peas Music and is available to listen to on its own on Spotify. Yeah, I'm sure you can guess what to search. This was a cast-off production for Acast, so if you think it was well-produced, then contact my time capsule on social media and maybe they can produce your podcast as well, for a very reasonably small fee, of course, in which case you'll be lucky enough to work with our producer, John Fenton-Stevens. And that's it. Bye. Aha, you see, all the people who don't normally listen right to the end will have just turned off at that point, which means you and I are virtually alone for this episode's joke. Well, in the broad sense of a joke. To let you into a little secret, I have a book where I've written down silly things that occur to me for about, well, actually for about the past 30 years. So quite a lot of them are pretty much out of date. And a lot of the jokes I do here, I just pick from there. It's full of stuff that I'm not really sure how I would ever use. Like, um, well, here's one. Character A. Quick, let's hide in this matchbox. Character B. How on earth are we going to get in there? Don't worry, we'll take all the matches out first. Now... What use is that to anyone? Still, this episode was recorded before a pantomime. That's probably the only chance anyone will ever have to use these jokes, so feel free. Here are just a couple. I offered two crisps a lift the other day. They said, no thanks, we're walkers. Yeah, I know, it's dreadful, isn't it? And there's, before my granddad died, he was a plumber for 150 years. That's what he told us, but I think it was just an estimate. And finally, there's this one that always makes me giggle. Don't know why. And I know I wrote this one right at the start, so it's already antique. Again, it's for two people, so not really suitable for this podcast, but I'm somehow cleverly making use of it. Anyway, here we go. Character A. Before you make a decision, remember Cole's Law. Character B. What's Cole's Law? Character A. Um, I think it's sliced cabbage, isn't it? Yeah. Can I just say, if you're still listening, you're probably the only one. And I love you. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.